Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, Australia's mail-in survey shows a whopping 62% of Aussies support marriage equality down under. Legendary gossip columnist and openly bisexual Liz Smith passed away this week at the age of 94. This coming Monday is Transgender Day of Remembrance. Plus, I have two documentaries I think you should see. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. The results of Australia's mail-in survey on marriage equality were announced this past Wednesday, and once again, equality wins the day. According to Australia's chief statistician, 61.6% voted yes, 38.4% said no. Every state and territory voted a majority yes. All states, except New South Wales, voted yes by over 60%. New South Wales voted yes by 58%. An astounding 79.5% of all eligible voters in Australia took part in the vote-by-mail effort. Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull promised Aussies he would introduce legislation to change the marriage laws down under, beginning immediately with the hope that same-sex wedding bells can ring by the end of the year. Australia is set to become the 25th nation in the world to legalize same-sex marriage. This coming Monday, the 20th of November, marks Transgender Day of Remembrance, an annual observance that honors the memory of those whose lives were lost in acts of anti-transgender violence. This is an important year to acknowledge and participate in the Transgender Day of Remembrance, as there have been at least 23 transgender people killed in the United States this year alone. The Transgender Day of Remembrance began in 1999 by transgender advocate Gwendolyn Ann Smith as a vigil to honor the memory of Rita Hester, a transgender woman who was killed in 1998. The vigil commemorated all the transgender people lost to violence that year and began an important memorial that's now become an annual opportunity to commemorate our transgender siblings. You can participate in the Transgender Day of Remembrance by attending or organizing a vigil on November 20th to honor all those lives that were lost to anti-transgender violence this year. Vigils are typically hosted by local transgender advocates or LGBTQ organizations and held at community centers, parks, places of worship, and other venues. For more information, make sure you visit GLAD's website at glad.org slash t-d-o-r. Liz Smith, who became a modern-day head hopper of celebrity gossip in the 1980s and eventually came out as bisexual, has passed away at the age of 94. Beginning her career in the 1950s writing for Hearst magazines, she quickly elevated to afternoons at Le Cirque with Sinatra and dinners with Madonna as she collected and edited material for her column that ran six days a week. One of Smith's biggest scoops was Donald Trump's divorce from first wife Ivana in 1990. Her income often exceeded over $1 million a year. 
Her own sexuality was discussed in gossipy whispers, much like the story she printed, and she eventually came out as bisexual. She acknowledged her sexuality, or as she referred to it, gender neutrality, in her memoirs, and in the December 2000 issue of The Advocate, she opened up a bit more to say she didn't feel it was in her nature to be a role model in the LGBT movement. At the time, she said, quote, I think that my relationships with women were always much more emotionally satisfying and comfortable than with men. And a lot of my relationships with men were more flirtatious and adversarial. I just never felt I was wife material. I always felt that I was a great girlfriend. LGBT activist and author Michelangelo Signorelli, who publicly tussled with Smith in the 90s when she helped wealthy and famous closet cases like Malcolm Forbes stay closeted, posted a classy farewell to Miss Smith on Facebook. It read, The legendary celebrity and gossip columnist Liz Smith has died at the age of 94. For those who go way back with me, you know I wrote angry columns giving her hell in the late 80s and early 90s for closeting so many, defending homophobes, and for being closeted herself during the most terrible years of the AIDS plague. But she was tough, eventually rose to it, came out as bisexual, and did good things. Glad to have seen all that and see her leading a full life and still writing, working, practically up to her death. Rest in peace, Liz. I agree with Michelangelo. Journey on, Liz Smith. Ohio State Rep. Wes Goodman, a Republican from the Cardington District, who consistently touted his faith and conservative values, abruptly resigned this week after being confronted with evidence of inappropriate conduct with another man inside his office. According to the Columbus Dispatch, House Speaker Cliff Rosenberger met Tuesday afternoon with Goodman after the Speaker became aware of an incident from weeks ago in the lawmaker's office that, according to sources, involved a male in a consensual situation. No harassment complaint, sexual or otherwise, was filed against Goodman. But someone, reportedly not a staffer, knew of the incident and reported it. Rosenberger said in a statement on Wednesday that he had met with Goodman where he acknowledged and confirmed the allegations. At the time, Goodman agreed that his resignation was the most appropriate course of action for him, his family, and his constituents. Rumors about Goodman's inappropriate conduct date back years to when he worked in Washington. The 33-year-old former lawmaker wrote on his campaign website expressing regret for his actions, writing, quote, we all bring our own struggles and our own trials into public life. That has been true for me, and I sincerely regret that my actions and choices have kept me from serving my constituents and our state in a way that reflects the best ideals of public service. Goodman's entire career in politics has been predicated on his ultra-conservative positions of natural marriage, and pro-family issues. You know those are code words, those are dog whistles for anti-LGBT positions. It was later revealed, however, that there was another incident involving Goodman going back two years at a conservative conference where Goodman invited an 18-year-old male to crash in his hotel room. According to reports, when the teen woke up, his pants had been unbuttoned and Goodman was unzipping his pants. The Washington Post is reporting that virulently anti-gay hate group leader Tony Perkins helped sweep the incident under the rug at the time. 
As I've said many times in the past, ye who protesteth the loudest doeth the mostest. In California, six foot two, two hundred and seventy pound Isoro Aguirre has been found guilty of first degree murder in the death of eight year old Gabriel Fernandez. Aguirre tortured the young boy for months because he suspected Gabriel was gay. From the LA Times, a 37-year-old man accused of torturing and beating his girlfriend's 8-year-old son to death in a case that prompted far-reaching reforms of the county's child welfare system was convicted Wednesday of first-degree murder. Jurors deliberated for about six hours before returning the verdict against Aguirre, also finding true a special allegation that the murder was committed with the infliction of torture. The jury must next determine whether Aguirre should be sentenced to death for the May 2013 death of Gabriel Fernandez, who was found unconscious with a cracked skull, three broken ribs, and BB pellets embedded in his lung and groin when paramedics reached him at his Palmdale home. He was declared brain dead and taken off life support two days later. Prosecutors will begin presenting evidence in the penalty phase of the trial on November 27th. The boy's mother, Pearl Cynthia Fernandez, is facing a separate trial. She has also pleaded not guilty to murder. The mother apparently took part in the torture, though, by beating the boy with a belt and shooting him with a BB gun. For months, Aguirre would make young Gabriel eat cat litter and feces, and would force Gabriel to sleep tied up in a small cabinet. According to court records, the home was visited several times by L.A. social workers and sheriff's deputies in the months leading up to Gabriel's death. I hope he gets the death penalty, period. Also in anti-LGBT crime, Philadelphia gay basher Catherine Knott who went to jail for the violent beating of Zachary Hess and Andrew Hott in the city center area of Philadelphia in 2014, has settled a lawsuit with the men she helped land in the hospital. You may recall the beating she helped delivered while surrounded by more than a dozen friends shattered the jaw of one of the gay men she attacked, requiring his jaw to be wired shut for months. Not and her co-defendants, Kevin Harrigan, and Philip Williams have apparently agreed to a large six-figure settlement in order to avoid a court battle they've already lost once. Here's hoping that's the last we ever hear of the dreadful Miss Knott. In queer cinema, there are two LGBT documentaries I want to make sure you know about. First, after screenings at dozens of major film festivals, Rebels on Point had its U.S. theatrical premiere in New York City this week, with more screenings planned across the country. The documentary celebrates the top-shelf technique as well as the incredible physical comedy that is the foundation of Le Ballet Trocadero de Monte Carlo's broad appeal. Here's a clip description. Rebels on Point is the first-ever Cinema Verte documentary film celebrating Le Ballet Trocadero de Monte Carlo, the all-male drag ballet company founded over 40 years ago on the heels of New York's Stonewall Riots. The company has performed in over 500 cities and 33 countries and has a cult following around the world. 
The film juxtaposes exclusive behind-the-scenes access and intimate, character-driven stories of its dancers, highlighted by amazing performances shot around the world. Rebels on Point ultimately celebrates our shared humanity through universal themes of identity, dreams, family, love, loss, determination, and resilience, proving that a ballerina is not merely a woman dancing, but an act of revolution in a tutu. And upcoming documentary Dreamboat, which follows the journey of five men on holiday at sea facing body image issues, HIV anxiety, loneliness, and pounding dance music on an all-gay cruise. You can find trailers for both films at therandyreport.com. That brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you click the subscribe button on my page on iTunes, and then every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. Also, please feel free to share The Randy Report with friends. The more the merrier here. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I report on the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. As I close out this episode of The Randy Report, I want to share just a bit of out singer-songwriter Trey Pearson's title track to his new debut solo album, Love is Love. Pearson made international headlines last year when he came out after years as the lead singer of Christian rock band Everyday Sunday. Pearson told The Advocate that the phrase, love is love, has become a mantra in the LGBTQ community that stands up for the right to love and be loved, fully. This love song and this album represent that freedom to me. He described the new track as an anthem celebrating the freedom to love each other without fear because all you need is love. In planning the music video for the song, he said he wanted the music video to be a tribute to all LGBTQ sacred spaces, gay bars and queer spaces that have been a refuge for him over this past year. And it's where he was able to rebuild his life after losing so much when he came out. He said, I'm overjoyed to be able to make a video about a gay love song that takes pride in these spaces that mean so much for our community. With a solid pop hook, top shelf production, and Pearson's soaring vocals, Love is Love is a worthy solo debut effort. I'm going to close with just a bit of his song, Love is Love. I think it's terrific, and I think you're really going to like it. Please make sure you go out and support our out musicians. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Got a hand on the door, never know where I might lead. No screwed up before, but now I'm thinking what it might be. When you're up on my side, I don't ever have to worry. Tell me, baby, what did we start? We start thinking what we might see. The city's got a million lights out. See your eyes ignite wild Tell me that you wanna go right now Why we hesitating The city has a million lights And I never believed before now Maybe tonight we'll find out Don't wanna leave, can't get enough The city's got a million lights And I never believed before now Maybe tonight we'll find out Don't wanna leave, can't get enough I know that love is love
you say so Maybe I'll be enough Tell me baby where should we go When you're out of my side I don't wanna say come over Tell me baby now that we're home We're home, leaving days are over The city's got a million lights out I can see your eyes ignite Wow, tell me that you wanna go Tonight we'll find